Welcome to Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today by Eric. Oh, hello. How's it going? Uh, pretty good. We were just talking about how uh, fucking gross it is outside. So it's just the worst kind of like, I'm used to like, I mean, when I lived in the South, we had horrible humidity. Sure. But it was like, it would be hot and humid and you were just prepared for it. Right. Right. But now it's like, okay, it's October. It's fall time. This bullshit should be over. Yeah. And I like, I got up, I was getting ready and I was like, it's kind of gray outside. Felt a little bit of a draft coming in through the window. And I was sure. like, you know what? I'll throw on a little uh, little light jacket on my way out. Responsible, yeah. Uh-huh. And then I got two blocks from my apartment. I was like, I'm in soup. I'm like, I'm you, like swimming. You're, it looks like you just got out of the shower. That, the hair, hair is because I just got out of the oh, shower. Okay, me too. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like doing... <laughs> we new, ain't fancy. Uh-huh. And I'm doing like a new thing where I'm like, I realize if I let my... Like when I write when I get out of the shower, if I just towel dry my hair, but then let it fully air dry before mm-hmm. I comb it, it's like a nice texture to it sure, so i've been sure. trying that so i just look like a real fucking idiot for like <laughs> half a day <laughs> it's like i just i just have to walk around looking like a complete moron for like half you a know day that's fashion mm-hmm. you look real dumb 90 percent <laughs> of the time but that 10 percent when it uh-huh. pays off it's like who is she yeah i'm also growing out my terrible beard because i'm doing a show on friday mm-hmm. and it, i i play a dude with a terrible beard so is I'm that just, the defining no, it's not the defining character. It's my. It's the wrestling show that I do. Oh, okay. And I'm like a like a basement like D and D player. Sure. So I just. It's not integral to the costume, but I feel like it adds a nice little. It's like a little. It's a, a little nice touch detail. Yeah. It's a little nice touch, you know. So just having a real patchy, shitty beard. I feel like I should explain to everyone at the top of the show the emotional roller coaster I'm going through. I just got to the point in the Half Blood Prince. Because I've been binge listening to the Harry mm-hmm. Potter audiobooks mm-hmm. yep. where Dumbledore dies. Yep. And here's How does the he thing. Die? Here's the thing. Oh, uh, he's fucking murdered. <laughs> murdered. Uh, yeah, I here's the thing. I knew that Dumbledore dies uh-huh. because that was one of those spoilers that like you can't avoid because people were going ballistic when it happened. Do you remember when I was on the show last time and yes. we were talking, I talked about how I worked with the Harry Potter <laughs> yeah. release. Well, I uh, believe we were both talking about what we endured yes. during the Harry Potter. Our, we both our tragic stories. war stories. Um, yes. uh, and I said that there was a spoiler in the Half-Blood Prince that, my right. friend was trying to give me money to spoil. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was it. Oh, sure. Because yes. that somehow somebody cracked the security of Harry Potter and that page from the book leaked before the book came out. I mean, that, that person is probably dead now. <laughs> like, I don't understand how that happened. They had that shit on lockdown. Yeah. That had to be somebody like working the like printing press. Yeah. Had like like an editor or something because it's like yeah. a, it's not like you just know where it is like somebody read the book right an advanced copy and like told saw somebody. it, and it was, was like, probably somebody who like told someone was like you can't tell anyone mm-hmm. and then they told somebody and then they yeah, told somebody uh-huh. and that's how it gets out you yeah. can't trust anyone no. is what i'm saying no, no, no. especially with dumbledore dying <laughs> so but the thing was i was fully braced for it and mm. I only have one book left after this in the series. So I was like, this is probably the book he dies. Yeah. Um, so I was waiting for it and then it happened and then it happened and I was like, okay. And then like the end of the book is a funeral for uh-huh. Dumbledore. And I wasn't like prepared for that. It was so sad. Yeah. Guys, it's a sad book. I think that's a good, I think that's the mark of a good book. If, if you know what's gonna happen mm-hmm. yeah but are still like affected by exactly it. exactly i was thinking that where i was like well this is just good writing <laughs> i feel the same way about movies if you can like rewatch a movie yeah and still be in it emotionally you know? impacted yeah, yeah yeah for sure because the thing is everybody <laughs> like the centaurs show up and the mer people and i was not prepared for it <laughs> and everybody like comes back to pay tribute and i was like mm-hmm. okay and like every time a new character showed up from one of the previous books to pay their respects, I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, I also was not prepared for this is like we're getting into the weeds mm-hmm. of Harry Potter. Yeah. But this this does relate to a Patreon question we got Ooh. that I wanted to ask you. Yeah. Actually, we got a few questions I wanted to ask you, but we'll get to that in a second. Sweet. So Ron Weasley's brother, Bill, mm-hmm. I was not like did not give a shit about Bill 
or four at all. And then he is terribly wounded in the battle at Hogwarts. Yeah. And there's that scene where uh, Mrs. Weasley's just assuming they're going to call off the wedding because she's like, well, this hottie's not going to want to marry my <laughs> uggo son now. Uh-huh. And Floor's just like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm actually in love with him. Yeah. It was a very nice scene. And I was like, oh, I didn't care about Floor and Bill. Now I do. Yeah. yeah. I didn't watch the movies in order as they came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did watch the first couple, and then I remember, uh, like, and I didn't read the books as they came out either. I didn't keep up with it, like, in real time. Mm-hmm. But I just remember from the movies, like, I saw the first couple of movies, and then I just saw, like, a preview of one of the last movies. And I was like, did Ron Weasley get hot? <laughs> <laughs> like, he turned into, like, a, a decent-looking dude that, like... Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. So you actually met Ron. I thought maybe you saw Bill and thought it was No, Ron. no, no, no. I'm sure that happens with Bill, too. I just, like, with Ron, I was like... No, Bill's always hot. Like, when okay. they introduce Bill, it's like, right. this is the hottie, hottie Weasley brother. <laughs> hottie Weasley. He's, like, yeah. very cool. He's got an ear piercing, and you're like, hey! Yeah. Like, as soon as they introduce him, and he stays hot until he <laughs> is attacked by a werewolf. <laughs> and then he's, like, still hot and brave, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I mean, I think that franchise got very lucky because all three actors. Yeah. Listen, casting a child actor is a crapshoot because oh, you don't man. know what face they're going to grow into. You don't, and you don't know what being a child actor is going to do to them <laughs> mentally. Yes. I always wonder if like casting directors bring in their parents to get like a look at what they'll <laughs> look like as, when idea. they get older. Yeah, that's a good I wonder if they plan. do that because I'm assuming they have to meet their parents anyway because these yeah. are child actors and they're like, okay, I can kind of see where this is going to go. I think, I think probably for the Harry Potter franchise, that would have been a problem. I think maybe only for Harry. If Ron had grown up still being like kind of an awkward looking dude, I well, think that would have worked. It's interesting because there's very specific things about Ron. Like in the book, J.K. Rowling harps on the fact that he's very tall. Uh-huh. So I was wondering if stuff like that, they were like, we got to see like what height you're going to hit. Because right. if he had stayed a short kid, <laughs> like a big defining, like the p- two big defining qualities of the Weasleys, I think, are that they're redheads and they're tall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you don't have the height, I mean, there's stuff you can like work around. Yeah, they would have, I mean, yeah, they, they could have shot that. Give him like, uh, what they do with Robert Downey Jr. in the Avengers, right, they right, give right. him the yeah. lifts. <laughs> yeah. So he's not so much shorter than everyone else. <laughs> Distractingly shorter. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, I, oh God. I'm, so I'm just mentioning that at the top of the show so everybody knows I am an emotional train wreck right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. So the question I wanted to ask you, uh, over at my Patreon, everybody. <laughs> Patreon.com yeah. slash Allison Kilkenny. Plug, plug, plug. Plug, plug, plug. If you sign up at the $5 a month level or higher, you get to send questions that will answer on Light Trees and News. And one of the ongoing questions I've been asking everyone, especially because I am reading the Harry Potter books or listening to them, Ashley wanted me to ask all of my guest hosts, what is your Hogwarts house. I have no idea. Have you not taken the quiz? No. Okay. Based loosely on what you understand the houses to be, Uh which house do you think you would be in? Uh, Probably, what's the one, is it Hufflepuff? What's the one that's like very not serious and it's just bunch, a bunch of jokesters? I think that's Hufflepuff. Yeah, probably that one. Okay. Oh, th- we are going to get angry tweets because that is a gross oversimplification of Hufflepuff. I know. Yeah. I, I just know that there's one house where it's like they're kind of like stay out of everything and they're not super serious about anything. I they're think just that's a bunch Hufflepuff. of like jokesters and yeah, they just want to have a good time. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Right? Yeah. You know, like I, I very much would be the person like, from watching the movies, like when there were battles going on, I'd be like, I don't care. I thought about that. Like, so again, I'm, I just am finishing up the half blood prince and mm-hmm. that battle goes on for a while. <laughs> and like some people show up, but uh-huh. there's a lot of people who are asleep <laughs> in the dorms. Mm-hmm. And it's, they were like, Oh, we didn't know. Cause it was, <laughs> it, we couldn't hear it. I was like, come on. You got, <laughs> it's like, they were blowing walls out of the side yeah, of the yeah, castle. Yeah. Like you heard shit. Yeah. I, I also feel like a lot of, it seems like, Again, guys, nobody tweet me about Harry Potter because I am not invested in the oh series. God, everyone's so tweet you. whatever I'm saying could be absolutely not true at all. But it seems like a lot in the first couple of uh, uh, stories, like a lot of the stuff that Harry gets into is just like his intense curiosity. Yes. Where he's just like, hey, there's this weird 
door that nobody knows where it goes to. And what like, the fuck is this thing? <laughs> That's like the me, first three bucks. What the fuck is this? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so I would have just been like at Hogwarts being like, this is awesome. <laughs> this is so much fun. That's like, what I don't get. <laughs> yeah. Like the fact that anyone in the Harry Potter world has a reaction to finding out people are wizards <laughs> that is other than like, holy fuck, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what? I, the people yeah. who were like, don't talk about it. It's embarrassing. I'm like, that they can do magic? Yeah. That's embarrassing to yeah, you? Yeah, I would have just wanted to like... Like I, I feel like I wouldn't have like tried to trace down like all the dark secrets of Hogwarts. I more or less just would have wanted to like make cool potions yeah. and like do cool magic. Oh, and like when Harry Potter's like, oh, I have to go to my fortune telling class. That's not what it's called, but essentially yeah. like seeing uh -huh. the future. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what do you... What? That's amazing. Yeah. That's incredible. Uh -huh. Listen, she's not always right, his instructor. And no. she's sort of alone. But, but still a very cool class. It's I mean, just the fact that there's a hidden like a hidden doorway in a column at a train station. Yes. Like an invisible doorway. That's how people go to Hogwarts. So like that's that would have been enough. Yeah. Like this is super this is cool. Dope. <laughs> I'm I'm in. I I'm in a been, thousand percent. Yeah, I just would have been constantly amazed. Yeah. <laughs> I just like walk around just very wide eyed. Yeah. Like, this is all amazing. Yes. Uh so then we have some very Eric centric questions. Ooh, I love it. Okay. Brett wants to know what is Eric's take on erasable pencils or pens? Sorry. Ooh. Oh wait, let me before I say the rest of this question yes. or read the rest of it. If there are any new listeners who are like, why the fuck are they talking about pens? Eric is obsessed with pens. Yeah. Okay. And has developed like a weird following for his pen recommendations on Light Trees and News. So Brett wants to know, what is Eric's take on erasable pens? The pilot friction, friction or yeah. similar or just anyone that wants to have an opinion on this? No one else other than Eric wants to have an opinion on I this. Would I, would, I could tell you for sure. I would love to listen to an episode of the show where you asked other guests the questions that are meant it for me. It would be like, Allison, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Who cares? I recently found out this is a thing and I'm struggling with how I feel about it. Uh, okay, I have thoughts. Okay. Uh, I also had uh, uh, trouble figuring out what I thought about it until I tried one. I actually really like Pilot Friction pins. Okay. And also... If you're into pilot friction, because I, I, for the longest time, thought erasable pens were really dumb. And for the most part, they've been really bad. Mm -hmm. But the pilot friction pens are actually very good. Um, and there's a really cool thing that they have now, if you can spring for it, if you have the money. They make smart notebooks. Oh. So you can buy a notebook that's like, you know, 20 or 30 pages of like really like high quality paper. And they're meant to work with these pilot friction pens. So could you, in theory, use it forever if you can just keep erasing it? Well, you erase it, but what you do is after you write a page, you can take a picture of it and it'll upload itself to Evernote. Oh, okay. So instead of just having Evernote for like typing, you can actually draw or like write anything in your notebook, snap a picture of it, it automatically uploads to Evernote and saves it, and then you can erase it. So you could use it forever. You can keep using the same notebook. Forever. So it's worth the money then. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool because you get. Yeah, you can keep. They better fucking sponsor this show. <laughs> the fact that we're talking about this on a political mm -hmm. comedy show, yeah. I want money out of. I this. should. I should reach out. You should start getting pen and be like, I know this is going to sound insane, uh -huh. but I go onto this podcast. I have a not zero following. <laughs> yes. As an influencer, <laughs> the fact that you have one, they're going to be like, "What?" <laughs> and people care about it. I'm yes. a pen influencer. You are. You're a pen influencer. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> So you were the one who was on the show talking about that you liked Paranormal Activity, yes? The movie, yeah. yeah. Okay. So Madeline uh, wants to know, given it's like Halloween season, uh, she couldn't remember if it was uh, you or Charles that said you like paranormal activity. I, I think I think Charles also said, he, I yeah. don't remember if he talked about it on the show, but I know we've talked, I know I've talked to Charles about that movie. So... They want to know what your thoughts are about the ghost investigation type docu-series or documentaries. Per and then they wrote, personally, I think they're fun and spooky, even if they're not real. Plus, you get to learn about history. If you want a rec recommendation and have Amazon Prime, there's one called A Haunting at Dice Road that's really good. Some stuff is obviously too much, but there's stuff that makes me wonder for sure. I've never had an experience with this stuff, but I love... I love... <laughs> she did not write I loves. <laughs> <That's me. laughs> I love these kinds of shows. Uh, thank you 
for the recommendation. That's cool. Uh, th- yeah, that's totally how I watch stuff like I think that. They're fun. They're fun. Uh, do I believe it? No, no, not usually. But I do love the idea of that stuff being a possibility. I feel like it would be really sad to live your whole life, move through the world thinking the only things that are real are what you can perceive with like your human eyes and uh-huh. and other senses because we have a very limited range on the sensory uh, spectrum. Right. You know, so I believe there's tons of stuff that humans can't see or sure. perceive. And I think it would be really arrogant to say otherwise. Plus, I think it would be really sad to like tell little kids like magic isn't real uh-huh. or like stuff like that. I think it's good for people's imaginations and stuff sure. like that. So, and I, you know, I just love the idea of magic because I love the idea of witches and like badass women scaring men. Mm-hmm. So I've always had a soft spot for that kind of stuff too. Yeah, I mean, I I don't believe in ghosts, but I think those shows are fun. Mm-hmm. Um, the same way that I think like hunting for Bigfoot is fun. <laughs> right. The show, not actually, not the activity hunting for Bigfoot, uh, but the show hunting for Bigfoot. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, I know it's not real, but right. I think it's fun entertainment to watch. Um, there was one show I really liked and it was, did you ever watch, uh, it was, it would have been early 2000s. Okay. There was an MTV show called Fear. Oh, I kind of remember this. It was like a reality game show and what supposedly, I mean, all I know is, is that what, when they would just leave them in a haunted house. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, uh, you don't know for sure, but supposedly that was the crux of the show is that they would leave these contestants in a haunted location with like chest cameras. Like this was no around crew. like Blair Witch Project yeah. time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. For sure. So, so the, the, uh, the idea of the show is they would pick contestants. I think it was like six. They would go to a haunted location. One was like an old, like, uh, like Navy ship mm-hmm. that, you know, that was supposedly haunted. One was an old campground, which was like the most terrifying I one. I totally remember this show. Yeah. And they it would, was actually very scary. I thought it was really scary. Yeah. Like at the time. And, you know, supposedly there was no crew. There was no like exterior shots. It would just be like, hidden cameras plus like they would wear all the contestants would wear chess cameras Mm -hmm. and like i remember the campground one really vividly because i remember one of the last because they basically they would get like uh i I think it was like on a computer they would get an email or some message that had like a new challenge they had to go Mm -hmm. do and if they couldn't if they were too scared to complete the challenge they got you know eliminated or whatever i very vividly remember the, there was one on an old campground. I think it was one of the last episodes of the show, and they one of the final ones for like the last two or three contestants, or maybe the last person, because um, if even even if you were last, you still had to complete a challenge before you could win. <laughs> right. Uh, so you were completely alone in a haunted location oh having God. to do a challenge. Like even if I had a full MTV crew with me, uh-huh. that would be scary. But the one of the challenges on this campground was that uh, somebody had to go get in a coffin. Oh my God! In, in like a grave. Oh. And I was like, that was the one I was like, I can't. I never saw that Ryan Ryan Gosling. Is it Ryan Gosling? The movie uh, Buried. Where is that Ryan Reynolds? It's Ryan Reynolds. That's yeah, what it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Ryan Reynolds where he's trapped in a, the whole movie is him trapped in a yeah, coffin. I heard I, it's I never insane. watched it. I can't deal. I'm not. The thing is, I'm, I don't have claustrophobia, but the idea of that freaks me out. I do have claustrophobia, but I never thought it would bother me watching it in a movie until uh, Kill Bill with that scene with her in the coffin. Right. It's so well done uh-huh. that like it feels like you're in the coffin with her. Yeah. And I, I was like, oh, I can't do this. Hi, Charles. Charles just came Hello. upstairs. Um, oh, okay, cool. Oh, thank you. Uh, Charles had a gift for Faith. Yay. Um, uh, I never, yeah, I, I guess I don't I don't feel like I have claustrophobia because I don't like, get freaked out by like elevators or crowded places or anything like that. But just like the one thing that freaks me out in real life is I can't sleep in sleeping bags. Oh, yeah. I do have a thing with being like too tightly tucked in. Yeah. Like at hotels and stuff mm-hmm. like that, which oh, is when, also an episode of Seinfeld. Hey, oh, right. When George the Kassanza, sheets are real tucked. The tuck. Uh, don't tuck. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't deal with tucked sheets. I, I got, have to get like one foot has to be out the mm-hmm. whole night. I just have to be. A, I don't even necessarily have to be out, but I have to be able to be out if I want to. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. Like at the hotel, I always untuck the sheets. Yeah. I don't like the idea that I can't like, yeah. like get out. Oh, like. 
Parker keeps seeing the praises of this gravity blanket, and it sounds like a nightmare to me. Oh, the weighted blankets? I haven't tried one yet. I think that would be the same sort of trigger for me, like yeah. too much weight on me while right. I'm sleeping. I but do, some people find that like really comforting. I do like the weight, because I right now I don't have a weighted blanket, but we sleep with a lot of blankets, yeah. and they like collectively are very heavy. Right. I do like that. It is comforting. But How like, are you sleeping with a lot of blankets right now? It is so fucking humid and gross. I just kind of go back and forth. Okay. I have to have something covering me. Me too, yeah. I have to have but so I have a very like light blanket right now. Yeah, even if it's like a sheet, I just have, to have something on top of me. I do like the, I don't know, weirdly I like the sort of like being under a blanket and then getting too hot and then taking the blanket off. Right. And like getting cold and then putting the blanket back. Yeah, weirdly, I do that too. I'm into it. I don't know. Yeah. And then finally, Kimberly just has a recommendation for everyone. Ooh. Uh, they would like to recommend uh, LOL My Thesis. It's a website where masters and PhD folks post an overly simplified explanation of their thesis, which produces such gems as, I love my friends and Adderall, and Nazis had lots of conflicting ways of under understanding sexuality, and all of them were bad. That sounds, that sounds funny. Fun. That does sound fun. That yeah. sounds like a good, that sounds really fun, actually. Good recommendation. Um, As somebody who's... Uh, read a lot of academic papers that i was gonna say fun. that kind of sounds like up your alley yeah especially like in, in the humanities and sociology like a lot of the a lot of paper theses can be very convoluted and and lead to very weird sentences right which are fun so on that note on the note of convoluted theses ooh, nice guys here is your bad news So we got to talk about this climate report that came out. Oh. So this was truly like I was texting with Meredith when I was reading the report. And I was like, you know, sometimes I get very overwhelmed by like like a lot of you. I'm sure uh, I have a lot of debt and stuff like right. that. And then you see a report like this and I was like, maybe nothing matters. It's like, yeah, the it's like the this whole report is basically just the like final scene from Fight Club. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> so in case you missed it, uh, there's this landmark report from the UN, uh, the UN Scientific Panel on Climate Change that came out that is basically like, um, we're going to start to see uh, uh, like mass food shortages, wildfires, mass die-off of coral reefs as soon as 2040, mm. which is like, I mean, in the scheme of... of time on earth like a second away yeah not a lot that is probably the most catastrophic in terms of the immediacy of effects we're going to be seeing report that has ever come out right 2040 is so soon so obviously a lot of people read this report and the immediate reaction was a lot of nihilism hopelessness panic yeah um because it, it is a really, really dire report. Um, and it's as blunt as scientists have ever been in terms of being like, hey, idiots, you have to do something. Yes. To, to world leaders. Yeah. Um, I have to say, like, I've been seeing a lot of reports. And while it is true that, obviously, um, eating even <clears throat> less meat, uh, relying on public transportation are, are great for the environment, I think if we're not talking about abolishing capitalism, we're not really talking about what we need to do. Yes. I think it is. I think lifestyle changes are good to talk about, but they're only one part. They're one part of the solution and not even the biggest one. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think. I think it has to be a combination of both. It de definitely has to be a combination, and I don't want to downplay the significance of how much impact you can have in your own lives right. by eating less meat or, or even you know getting rid of meat altogether from your diet. But even the 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 meat thing is a factor of industrialization. Yes, there, there, you know it's not that the the actual act of eating meat contributes to the environment right. it's the industrialization like where your meat comes from yes exactly yes. so so that's you know that's one of those things where it's a lifestyle change and also has to we have to abolish 
the actual industry itself. And I think sometimes when we say like abolish capitalism, uh, you know, obviously that's the ideal, but it sounds like such a big lofty goal. But when we're talking about like over 70% of the pollution in our environment comes from a handful of companies. Yeah. So even if we like, I don't know, ban ExxonMobil, uh-huh. you know, right. I, that would go a long way to saving the world. I mean, that's really what we're talking about right mm-hmm. now. It's not like, I mean, it is a political disagreement, but this isn't, you know, a state's rights issue or something like that. We're right. literally talking about saving the world at this point. And we have negative time to do it. Yeah. We're at this point, we're still going to deal with a lot of <clears throat> effects of climate change, mm-hmm. but we would still have a habitable earth. Right. But we really don't have a lot of time. No, we have, uh, I mean, in terms of making changes, it, you would need to make the changes now to have an effect in 20 years. Yes. Does that make sense? Like, yes. Yeah, yeah. Like, you, like, it's not one of those things, like, this isn't like a time bomb where if you if you cut the fuse at the last second, it's over. Right. Like, you have to make the changes now so that 20 years down the line, they have a positive effect. Yeah, and I think a lot of people feel very helpless because especially with this administration, it sort of seems like, okay, so I, I call my Congress representative, my senator... Does that really do anything, though? Right. I. I mean, uh, no. I. <laughs> you know. I don't know. Like, I. It is a very. I think that's a big issue we have with this issue is that like it is a very lofty, very grand thing that needs to be done in order to fix it, mm-hmm. and it sort of feels mm-hmm. like it's not real feels like not yeah. attainable it, um, it also like climate change doesn't feel real for so many americans because right. some of these consequences we're talking about i mean we feel a little a little bit in new york city because we're we're we live on an island so we definitely see like the flooding aspects and the worsening storms aspects but in terms of like food shortages and stuff like that we live in a very wealthy privileged country We'll probably be shielded from a lot of that. Like maybe we won't be able to get like bananas and everyone will be like, that sucks. I remember bananas. But like other countries, people will die. Yeah. And I think like a really good example of that. And I, and I, I, I posted on Facebook earlier that I think a, a vast majority of people would. I, I, I think that's unfair, but it, a lot of people would really prefer the complete annihilation of civilization than making small lifestyle changes. A hundred percent. What I mean by that is like a really good, uh, an actual real life example of this is like, there are for real droughts in California. Oh yeah. Like there is an actual, it's not that it's hard to come, but there's an actual lack of water Mm. and people can't even be bothered to like stop washing their car, which doesn't matter. Yeah. Your car doesn't need to be, clean on the outside. Did you see that uh, one of the celebrities they named who used tens of thousands of gallons of water to like water their lawn was Amy Poehler? No, it doesn't surprise me though. That's the thing. Like even well-meaning progressives I don't think are, I mean maybe she just didn't know. Yeah. But like little things we can do. Well that's, and that's what I mean is that like I, you know I, I firmly believe Amy Poehler is a very well-meaning progressive. Yeah. But it's like when it's your, when it's something that you, that is like a light, when it's not like quote unquote a political issue and it's like, yeah, I just water my lawn because I right. want to have a nice like, lawn. She probably doesn't think of it in terms of uh, so other people won't have water because exactly. I'm watering you know? my lawn. I'm sure if it was that choice, she'd be like, oh, and, yes, don't yeah. water my lawn. And, they, and, 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 you know, the way you live your life is a very hard thing to change because yes. it feels very natural. It feels like how you how you live. And, and you know, peop- they get a lot of shit for it. Um, but, like, there are very real problems with, like, people like Leonardo DiCaprio and Al Gore who... Yep. Talk about climate change and then fly on private, private jets, jets everywhere. Everywhere, yeah. You know, and it's like that, you know, that's not an unfair attack on them. Yeah, and I think it's almost worse with progressives because they can tell themselves, but I'm doing so much good. Right. Like Leonardo DiCaprio and Al Gore have done a lot of good yes, for environmental causes, but that doesn't automatically erase the fact that, well, yeah, but also your carbon footprint is huge. And that yeah. like carbon offsetting bullshit where it's like, but I planted a tree. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So, but they tell themselves that because they're like, 
And I think we all do that to a certain degree, right? Yeah. I'm sure we could all look at our own lives and be like, oh, I do a bunch of stuff that's fucked up and bad for the environment. Right. But we also comfort ourselves by saying, but we're also trying to do good. Yes. Um, and I think to a certain degree, you can drive yourself nuts if you start to go down that rabbit hole. Yeah. And there are, you know, there are changes to make in your life that are more effective than others. Sure. Right. So like. I think that eating meat is a really good one because it just like there are so many studies now that it just shows that, you know, I, and I don't want to I don't want to sit here and, 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 and I don't want it to seem like I'm saying like people who eat meat are bad people. But I, I just mean like the industry itself of meat production. Like right. there are so many studies now that just show how provably big the impact on the environment it is. Yes. And so we can't continue to prop it up. Yeah, it's it, it at this point it is hazardous to the planet right. to keep doing it, and so you know now everyday people in their everyday lives are not thinking about that when they go eat a hamburger sure. or something like that. But you know, and I, it doesn't it doesn't make them bad people to eat a hamburger. But we can't just be like, oh, well, people eat meat, so we just have to deal with it. Right. Like it's something we have to deal with. There are other smaller things like. Plastic in our oceans is a big problem. I don't think somebody using a plastic bottle once a day is like, it's not the same level of bad. There are, we still need to change it, mm. but there are like things that are catastrophous. Like, right. you know, there, like I said, like transportation, transportation and meat production are, I think, the two biggest like mm-hmm. contributors to climate change at this point. And like mm. they have to be dealt with mm-hmm. immediately. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Um, so like, there are changes people can make. You know, like you were saying. What my ultimate point was like, you what you were saying of, you can drive yourself crazy, and you can. Like, if you're like, you know, there's a great uh, documentary. I don't know if you can still get it on Netflix, but it was called No Impact Man. Oh yeah. Uh, of this guy in New York who tried to is have. Is it a, just like slowly watching a man go into? Kind of crazyville. Yeah, it, yeah, it kind of <laughs> like it's like. You know, it, it's a guy who's like who challenged himself to live a life with no impact on the environment, and and it by the end, you know, his he was happy with the lifestyle he had kind of built out of that, but also it's like I think for a lot of people, it's like this dude's crazy. Well, also I feel like that turns off a lot of people from even trying a little bit because they're exactly, like, that's I don't want to yeah. live like that. Also, you know, we're human beings by default. We have an impact on the environment Yes. Uh, by just being us. Just being here. And like I said, there are small things you can do. And I think if you try to do the big ones first, you don't have to drive yourself crazy with every right. single little thing. And I think, again, uh, I, I'm encouraged because so many people are trying to make changes in their own lives. But really, if we're not talking about capitalism's impact on the earth then we're not really talking about how we have gotten to the place we're at right now yeah i think yeah and when i talk about lifestyle changes i think my ultimate point is i'm wondering if like increasing i i don't know what the best way to go about like quote unquote dismantling the meat production industry is Mm -hmm. or the oil and gas industry you know other than uh, an uh, uprising of people uh, honestly you that's know. that's where i'm at because i have so little faith the government's not going to do it no it's never going to happen so if we're really talking like a, a realist perspective yeah. of of what where we're at right now that is the only path i see yeah. like mass resistance direct action i think is the only option we have left yeah we and uh yeah i think so i mean but that is so much easier said than done because like i'm not an organizer right the reason i'm not an organizer is that shit's fucking hard it's and i'm not so good at it hard, yeah. and those people are very rare who are good at it uh-huh. who can inspire a lot of people who can like you know get people to to rise up and uh, engage in collective action and it's also really hard to predict like when that stuff happens right. because sometimes it sets off at very i mean always it sets off at random times that nobody can predict no one accurately predicted Occupy Wall Street. Right. No one predicted Black Lives Matter. Like, you know, black people are killed all over the country yeah. every day by police officers. Mike Brown was not an unusual story. No, right, He right. was a typical story. Yeah. No one could have predicted that would be the event that set it off. Right. So in the same way with the environment, like, who the hell knows? Yeah. I, I, my fear, though, is that 
because the climate is, I mean, it's everywhere, right? It's all around us. It will be such a gradual creep that by the time we have mass uprisings, it'll be way too late. That's the biggest problem, I think, with the climate change issue. Exactly. Is that what I was saying earlier, like the climate is not a time bomb where you have the last second fuse cutting to stop it. Right. Even if like if we get to 2040 in one day, we completely shut down all the gas companies. It's too late. Right. It's too late at that point. And my fear is that a lot of people have sort of conceded that where they're like, it's too late. So now you have the other school of thought, which is the people who are like, let's just go to another planet. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but like they're seriously talking about that now where they're like, we will colonize another planet. I think that is I have a controversial not it's not controversial. I have I have a mixed feeling about that. I don't think that's necessarily a dumb idea. I don't think it's dumb. I just find it that's so deeply sol- depressing. It's y- depressing. And I also don't think you can count on that as a solution to the problem. You well, can- no, it's not. What they're saying is 99% of people will die. Right, exactly. But yeah. the people who can afford a ticket it's off the up. planet yeah. will get off the planet. You shouldn't do that. Yeah. yeah. And, but that's where we're at because it's the next version of gated communities, right? Right. Like the, the wealthy have already pulled away from the poor on the planet Earth. The next step of that is we'll right. just leave the planet behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah I think like in, if you're talking about like in a futuristic sense like we should colonize another planet so that in hundreds and hundreds of years when everybody can leave at their will mm-hmm. they can go somewhere else you know that's not the idea though. no no I know that's not the <laughs> that idea. sounds dope no yeah I'm I mean ta- not dope but like that I know that's sounds not the fair. idea I'm just saying like if you're talking about it in that sense like because even as we make changes to combat climate change like we're eventually going to have to leave this planet anyway. Sure. You know, way down the line. Maybe even if we're able to save this planet, there will be so many people, we'll need a second planet. Right. So, yes, if if by some miracle we're able to save this planet and it is habitable. I mean, very, you know, know, not to get too in the weeds, but like very long term, like tens of, you know, billions of years, the sun will start expanding. Yes, we need to get off the planet. We have to get off the planet, you know, at some point. Uh, but you can't propose that as like a solution for our current problem. Right. It's just not feasible, I think. Um, but yeah, just to tie like my two ultimate points together so mm-hmm. I don't sound like a rambling madman. Like, It's cool. Uh, when, I, when I talk about lifestyle changes, I think ultimately I, in addition to like an actual public uprising to like completely destroy these companies – you can also starve them yep. and destroy them that way. Mm-hmm. And I think with, with lifestyle changes, I'm not, I don't want to be one of those people who's like, everyone should go vegan because it makes you a better person or, you know, for the climate. It's not about you being vegan so much as I think people should eat less meat because it starves the industry sure. and collapses it. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think if you can get enough people to do it, you will ultimately collapse the industry. Yeah. The reason that gets tricky is for so many people, the affordable option is yes. meat. So you do at true. some point need government incentive of course. that, oh, suddenly like tempeh is cheaper than meat. Right. Because that is the driving force for so many people where it's just like, listen, I have five kids and I need to put food on the table. And it's very hard as like a child free uh, liberal New Yorker to like roll in and be like, "Mm, actually. Of course. (laughs) I mean, my hope would be that and this is, you know, my hope would be the people that can take on the responsibility do it. Mm -hmm. The industry shrinks Mm. and then they have to start allocating money elsewhere. Mm -hmm. So then they do start subsidizing vegetable production. Right. Stuff like that. And then it does. I mean, sort of uh, a model where we've seen that already happen is like Coca-Cola. Right. People stopped drinking Uh Coca-Cola so much that they bought up water companies. Exactly. Um, Not saying that's great for the environment (laughs) or like privatizing water is evil and all of that stuff. But that's a great example of how there was this company that made a product that was really bad for people and people stopped buying it so they were like well shit now we have to like invest in health foods right and water because people don't want us anymore exactly yeah yeah so i mean that's my my hope i i don't think everybody should today it would be nice you know i'm not like obviously it would be nice i think if everybody just stopped eating meat but like that's not a realistic solution Mm -hmm. and it's not gonna happen so you know, I think like the people that can take on should do it. And I think as 
as sales decline, as those companies, they're going to start hemorrhaging money and they're going to start, you know, they're going to collapse. And that's ultimately what you have to do. And I think the same can be said for oil and gas companies. Mm -hmm. Like the less we use of it, they start collapsing and then they have to invest in all, you know, they, they, and then the alternative energies are on the rise. And then, you know, we have to tip those scales. Yeah. Uh, towards that stuff because it's just not you know like like i said we're talking this isn't just a political issue it's we're talking about like the actual annihilation of the entire civilization yeah i (laughs) i'm just i've seen a lot of people you know and i don't want to diminish the excellent work that like organizations like 350.org and a lot of indigenous peoples have been doing incredible work for the environment Um, for decades. So I don't want to say like, you know, no one's doing anything, especially no, like um, people are doing so much. There's so but much I see a lot of people like online saying we have to do something. We have to do something. And I think these are all well-meaning people. But I, I think like the problem is so big yeah. that we don't know where to start. I think that. Yeah. Exactly. So if there is like a moment where sort of in the same way that, you know, Occupy Wall Street was a, a movement with a lot of ideas, right? And yeah. one of those ideas was dismantling capitalism. Right. Where do you start? Well, nobody fucking knew, but there was that physical location at Zakati where like people could meet right. and talk about this stuff and share these ideas. And like in the same way, I feel like the environmental movement needs that physical gathering space where there's a lot of people online who are like, we got to do direct action stuff. We got to do something. I think if there's like a clear goal and a clear path and a clear like, even if it's like a meeting location to discuss concrete next steps, that would help people because so many people feel helpless. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, I think the biggest thing is having something that people can do or some sort of concrete action. Cause when you just say like, we need to do something. Yeah. It doesn't. That doesn't mean. And that's I, where I, I think I like the, people the, sort of resort back to your own personal behavior because right. that's like, oh well, I can eat chicken one like a one less day a week. Right. Yeah, that's something I can do in my own life. Sure. I don't know how to t- take down Exxon Mobil. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. I I think like that is that that is ultimately the issue. Like, exactly, you said like it is such a big issue, and it's not something that like one bill can fix mm-hmm. unless the bill is like <laughs> like no more oil no production. more oil yeah. for anyone <laughs> yeah it's just like you know what i mean down. like yeah i like i you know it's not something that's an easy fix right. and it's not something and it's there's no there's no there's not even one solution right it's like there's going to be a step one and then there has to be a step two and then a step three it's like a total change for everyone that and we do need those concrete actions because otherwise people are just like don't know what to latch on to and don't know what to do part of me is like "Mm, the hackers will fix it (laughs) yeah (laughs) i don't even know what that means Uh like what could they do i'm like come on anonymous (laughs) you know do the thing you do Uh anyways guys it's that time of the show here's your good news All right, so I wanted to talk about some progressive ballot initiatives that are going to be um, on the ballot this November. Ah, yes. This is the sexy part of the episode. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. So also, guys, uh, make sure that you're registered to vote. Oh, yeah. And if you think you're registered to vote, just check. (laughs) Just double check. Just ask. Just check. I told you, Charles and I were fucking amazed when uh-huh. we went to our polling place here and we were actually on the ballot. Yeah. Because w- we were on our way walking there and Charles was like, I think I might still be registered in the Bronx. <laughs> and I was like, I might still be on like the ballot at my old location in Brooklyn. Yeah. So out on the ballot, uh, on the rolls in uh, my old location in Brooklyn. So on our way there, we're like, we're probably not on <laughs> the rolls. Right. Well, and then miraculously, we both were. Yeah, it's so important because like these things change week to week. 
Like, it's not a one-time thing. Like, they're constantly purging people from the voter rolls and updating the voter rolls. So even if you you voted in the last election, you should still just check. Right. Uh, So... Uh, some good news. Three states are considering Medicaid expansion. Four states are considering marijuana legalization. There's voting rights expansions, anti-gerrymandering measures, um, and restrictions on campaign spending uh, are on the ballot in 12 states. Uh, Washington state is deciding on the country's first carbon tax. Again. Those don't sound like good things. Yeah. Um, Washington voters might end impunity for police shootings. That's initiative 940. That sounds like a good thing. Florida, we've talked about this before on the show, Florida could enfranchise 1.5 million voters. Guys, this is so important. Yes. Uh, Please make sure that you vote on Amendment 4. Approve Amendment 4. That would be huge. Uh, Louisiana could reverse a reconstruction era tough on crime law. Uh, that's Amendment 2, would align the state with 48 others in requiring unanimous juries for all felonies. Wow, okay. Uh, Maine might establish universal home care for the elderly. That sounds like a good thing. Also a very important thing. Ohio could overhaul how it treats its drug offenders. Uh, One of America's most ambitious and most controversial criminal justice reforms is on the ballot in Ohio. If successful, issue one would turn felony drug possession charges into misdemeanors. Wow. Loosen sentencing guidelines and prohibit jail time for probation offenses. Ooh, that's good. Yeah, that's great. And that's also, uh, Ohio is a very big state. So if they implemented something like that and it is successful, which it will be, you know, in, in looking at like rates of people getting off addiction and and recidivism rate and stuff like that like mm. that would be big because that's a huge state so they would have a lot of influence on other states yes. adopting the measures as well definitely also guys just research the ballot before you go to vote because these amendments and stuff like that amendments issues whatever they call them um sometimes you aren't aware that they'll be on there and it'll just say, like, yay or nay for Amendment 4. And you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> What's Amendment 4? And also, even when they're on there, they're usually, I mean, yeah, legalese is, it's written in a way for a reason. Right. You know? And so a lot of people are not uh, well-versed in how to read it. So, I mean, there's been times I've gone to vote on, like, ballot measures and, like, trying to read through them. Like, I don't what I the fuck it says. I don't know yeah. what this means. New York is really bad at not telling us when we're voting for judges. Uh-huh. And then you'll go in and you're like, I'm sorry, the fuck is this? Yeah. Uh, you also just don't have to vote if you don't feel comfortable. Yeah, yeah. You don't um, need to fill in anything if you're not sure. That's what I mean. Like, if you're filling out a ballot and then you get to something and you're like, I don't know what this is. Just skip that one. Yeah, I didn't know on the last election that the judges would be on the ballot. And did you know those aren't the judges? Right, we talked about that on the show. You're voting for somebody to pick the judge? You're voting for delegates to pick judges. That's a banana's way we do that. I didn't know that was on the ballot, and I didn't know who any of those people were, so I left it blank. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, also in good news, I'm going to save that for tomorrow's episode. Oh, do I want to talk about this? Hmm... I'll talk about Nikki Haley. Oh, yeah. I was... Oh, man. Yeah. So, so Nikki Haley, in case you missed the news, is stepping down as United Nations ambassador. And uh, Samita Mukapade on Twitter was like, I can't wait for us all to rewrite history uh, with mm-hmm. Nikki Haley as a moderate. <laughs> mm-hmm. she, uh, she's a right-wing extremist. She, yeah. So I'm putting this in the good news section because... Uh, buh-bye. Buh-bye. <laughs> buh-bye, you little terrorist. Yeah, the worst. So, yeah, I mean, thoughts? She was... Uh, yeah, I mean, she's always been awful. Um, and then really about halfway through her tenure at UN ambassador just went on a tear. I mean, just like walking out of meetings, just walking out of meetings. Um, just, you know, just being the worst kind of, you know, nationalist, like refuse to work with the UN on anything. Um, by the way, if you early on say in 2016 said that Trump was, um, you criticized Trump and then he criticized you back and you had beef with him and people were like, oh, wow, Nikki Haley is a moderate. And then you go to fucking work for him. 
you're mm-hmm. a collaborator. Yeah. That's how that works. Also, I don't... I mean, as of recording this show, it just happened. So I think she hasn't made a statement or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I was right as I saw the news that she had gone to the White House and resigned. I also saw an article that came out about an hour before that people are calling for an investigation uh, (laughs) into she uh, people are calling for investigation of her accepting uh, gifts from South Carolina businessmen. Oops. Private planes. So might we be resigning from more I mean, than the that, UN position? I mean, literally, like, th- that article came out, and then an hour later, the news came out that she was going to resign. So I, I think kn- you mean uh, that she will be spending more time with her family. Yes. Yes. Um, or as one person put it, she's looking towards the long term. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, aren't we all? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't know what, I don't know if the resignation was planned before that. I don't know if people found out about her gifts from South Carolina businessmen and then she just decided to resign. I mean, I don't Mm. know if those are connected. I just know that I saw the stories come out within an hour of each other. Very interesting. Um, Well, I mean, haven't we learned that people um, never surrender power? It has to be taken from mm -hmm, them. So mm -hmm. that would not surprise me. Yeah, I I just, I I don't know. Like The only, (laughs) I mean, she's a monster. I'm just like, I can't even feel good about people resigning from the Trump administration because I'm like, he's just going to put a worse person. Somehow, like, inconceivably worse. Yeah. (laughs) Somebody, I mean, look, honestly, I, look, Twitter's a weird place, guys. It is. We all know it's a weird place. People were joking on Twitter that he was going to elect Kanye. And I was like, that's not out of the realm of possibility. I mean, especially because that other story came out that was like Kanye's meeting with Trump and Kushner. I know. Like, I was like, Here's I can't even take solace in a joke because I'm like, it's not 100% not true. Here's what I think that is. And we're going to get to it on tomorrow's episode. This is truly what I believe. So for a very long time, I think Trump thought maybe Taylor Swift was on his side. <laughs> and then Taylor Swift, and again, we're going to get to this on tomorrow's episode. So she basically, um, she comes out, she's finally political, guys. We've we've been asking finally. Taylor Swift to get political, and she finally got political, and she encouraged all of her uh, listeners, supporters, to go register to vote. And she said, "There's some bullshit happening in this country." She's not into it, and sounded uh, more like a liberal. Yeah. So she endorsed Marsha Blackburn's yes. opponent, right? Yes. Yeah. So finally, took a political stance, and uh, this pissed off Trump, and he got very pissy about it. So he called Kanye. I I bet you. That he thinks he's going to get more black voters if Kanye's on his side, which is fucking hilarious. I would be shocked, shocked if he was even thinking that far ahead. I think they are. No, I honestly think there are people around him who are like, oh, people accuse you of not liking black people. Here's a very famous black person. Let's humor him with some meanings. And maybe he can be like, speaking of ambassadors, you're ambassador to the black community. I think his team is thinking that. Yes. I think Donald Trump saw Kanye on TV with his hat on. Oh, I was sure. Like, Get that man in the Sure. Office. Yeah. Trump just likes to schmooze with celebrities. Uh-huh. But I think that is part of the calculation. I'm sure that's part Which of is so funny to me because I would pay you a thousand dollars if you could find one black person who's like i now support trump uh-huh. because kanye's being weird on tv yeah. <laughs> like i think i would like to think most black voters uh are not swayed by kanye west no, of course not you know uh especially like he's such a joke now but anyway yeah i mean God. so i also wanted to talk about let's see what do we have time for mm-mm um yeah i don't know let's talk about this so romania uh there was a same-sex marriage ban that was speaking of like referendums and stuff like that uh there was a referendum to ban same-sex marriage on the ballot in romania Mm -hmm. for their election yeah and it did not pass because not enough people showed up to the polls (laughs) to cast their ballots I mean, on one hand, I'm like... Good, I, I, but I'm, also... I'm like, that's sad because, A, people didn't vote. And also, you know, it wasn't like a bunch of people turned out and were like, no, we won't have this. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, good? Yeah. Like, like I that uh, I guess enough people don't give a shit enough to not, to not ban it. You know what I mean? Like, Well, there's also some question as to, like, 
why they didn't turn out to vote? It, like, was it just apathy or was it just like a rejection of everything? Yeah, Where it's like, could I, be. I, I, yeah, it could very well be. Um, some like Romanian experts were saying that as well, where they were like, this is a triumph of good over apathy, basically. <laughs> Um, I think there are a lot of countries in the world right now that are, yes. including our own, that are dealing with very real legitimacy crisis. Oh, for sure. And that is always sort of like step one in the collapse of an empire. Yes. You know, once once institutions, I mean, Chris Hayes has written about this. Matt Taibbi's written about it a bunch in terms of like the Russian empire falling. Yeah. But once your institutions lose all legitimacy, that is sort of like step one in the direction of your empire collapsing. And that makes sense, right? If like people don't have faith in the government, they don't have faith in traditional institutions, what's propping everything up? Yeah, I mean, the thing is like, yeah. Jingoism, (laughs) usually. Well, yeah, it's like, you know, people, you know, criticizing the government and, and stuff like that is not the same as like criticizing the idea of government. And a lot of times like, a lot of what holds a civilization together are like social bonds, not necessarily like quote unquote a, a government in the formal sense, but just like the idea of our society. Mm. And a lot of people are losing faith even in that. Yeah. Like that we live in our a parents generation grew up with a lot of patriotism. Yeah. Like, you know, um, our grandparents generation, the greatest generation, quote unquote. Right. Um, you know, basically I think we wrote uh, off the high of quote unquote winning World War II uh, for a few generations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then once we didn't have that anymore, it was sort of like, uh, okay. And then uh-huh. we tried to go on a bunch of other wars, and those were all disastrous and yeah, yeah, and yeah. not a win. Yeah. And yeah, I think we have. Um, somebody went on this really interesting rant on Twitter about millennials, about how we have like a very uh, confused identity because we don't have any sort of um, identity like that. We don't have like a great, uh, I hate to say a great war, but you know what I mean. Like we don't have a great war. Um, We don't have, uh, I think a lot of millennials are are not uh, ingrained with an inherent nationalism. mm Mm-hmm. And I don't mean nationalism in like the racist sense, but like in terms of like, I think... it's a combination of not having great war and also being in a globalized internet culture. A lot of, I think millennials wouldn't necessarily like, obviously they know they're American, but it's not like their quote unquote identity, mm-hmm. like as quote unquote an American, they're just individuals. Yeah. I, I think there was a lot of confusion even about our identity in terms of what people called us. Like when I was growing up, right. I thought I was like a very young Gen Zer um, mm. or Gen Xer. Right. And then people were like, no, you're Gen Z. And then we were something else and then something else. And then they were like, actually, you're all millennials. And we were like, what? I don't feel like a millennial. But we're also the generation that like doesn't have health care, um, mm-hmm. doesn't have steady jobs. Um, a lot of us have like multiple jobs and everything is just so up in the air. Well, yeah, that's what I mean, too, by, like, a legitimacy crisis is, like, a lot of the things that bound people together in, in the country are sort of collapsing. Like, up until recently, it's like you, quote, unquote, the American dream. And the American dream is sort of a fallacy, obviously. But, like, a lot of the mechanics of it were in place for a lot of people. Like, for a long time, if you wanted to get a job, you could just go get a job right. and work there for a long time. Boy, <laughs> you know, is and that retire. not the case anymore, right. guys? Yeah, and it's <laughs> like now it's like you can't – A lot of, I, I think for a lot of times – and this obviously there are exclusions for people who have been uh, oppressed by the culture itself. Uh, mm. But for a lot of people, that the, the people that uh, sort of had the, the patriotism and the nationalism, like if whatever you needed to count on, you could count on. Right. You know, it's like – Okay, I'm going to go to school. I'll get a job. I'll retire. That was the case for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And we don't have that anymore. Yeah. So there is this identity crisis. Um, are we in the good news section right now? <laughs> oh, my God. How did this start? Romania? I do, I, yeah. I, like, I don't know. I, I feel like 
we're in the crisis point, I do think it can lead to good things. I agree. I think we're witnessing the breakdown of nations and identity. And I think yeah. ultimately that will be very good if we survive it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Right, but right, right. that's all up in the air. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, did you know you just listened to a 100% listener supported show? How are you feeling right now? Are you okay? Hashtag light trees and pod. Let us know how you're feeling. Your, your Hogwarts houses, your hot takes. I have to ask you that on tomorrow's episode because you're going to have some scorchers. You think so? Yeah. All yeah, right. for sure. Uh-huh. Uh, guys, please go to lighttreason.news and smash that donate button to keep us going. Follow Eric on Twitter, Eric underscore Smith. Eric spelled E-R-E-K. Thank you so much for listening. And while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble.